and um, stand up and open up God's Word kind of on a more normal Sunday. So I appreciate it. I hope you're ready for a, uh, a more normal Sunday today. And um, uh, just a couple of thoughts that popped up today as we were getting started. Donna, thank you so much for that prayer request. Um, thank you. I, uh, this fall, I was had a lunch with some of the Chandler's ladies and um, to plan the fall, and John Viev recognized me and said hello. I just I was shocked. Um, it was it was really good to see her, and uh, and thank you for that uh, that reminder. And um, and then uh, this week I'm taking a class up at Regent. Uh, it's a Christian ethics and healthcare class. That's and that's the reason why there's a chaplaincy uh, insert in your bulletin. Just as you just a reminder of some of the things that the Christian Reformed Church is about. Um, but that will change the schedule this week just a little bit. So check the bulletin. Um, no prayer on Monday. Extra prayer Wednesday morning. Um, regular Bible study on Wednesday night, though I'm not sure if I'm going to be at Island View Place or at Regent College on Wednesday night. So one of those two places I'll be able to uh, to have the uh, the Bible study. Um, so just watch the bulletin, watch your email, and we'll try to um, try to keep everybody informed of what's going on. Um, this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a step back because we're going to pick up where we ended in November in our study of 1 Corinthians, a, a book about what happens when the church gathers and Paul's instruction to the church. And I labeled the, uh, the, um, the sermon Greater Gifts, not because we should be ungrateful for the gifts we've got. I mean, this is Christmas and we should have just been so grateful and nobody should think, well, I got a good gift, but I really would have wanted a better gift, right? Um, nobody thinks that. So something is going on here for Paul to use words like greater gifts and um, uh, gifts that build up the church. Something's going on here. When my girls were quite a bit smaller, we tried a couple times to separate the gift giving around the holidays from the religious Jesus was born around the holidays. And we found that there were actually some cultural events that helped us do that. In the Dutch tradition, they would act, they would fill the, the wooden shoes, the klumpen, with coal on... Only coal if you were bad. Coal if you were bad, yes. Uh, probably can't do it with coal anymore. That would violate the, the, uh, <laughs> the um, uh, carbon tax in Holland today, in the Netherlands today. Um, uh, on Sinterklaas Day, which is early in the, in the month, uh, around the 5th of, of December. In the Eastern Orthodox traditions, today is actually the 12th day of Christmas, the Epiphany, the day that the Eastern Orthodox celebrate Christmas. And so we've tried this day. Um, January 6th is Dia de los Reyes, the day of the kings, when so many Latin cultures actually give gifts in remembrance of the gifts that the, the kings brought to, uh, to Jesus in, in Bethlehem. So we're in good uh, cultural, um, uh, in a good cultural line to, to talk about the greater gifts on a day other than Christmas. So just get ready, a gifts message, um, but not on Christmas. And where we are in the text is that Paul has been, for the last three chapters, talking about what happens when the church gets together. Um, now he's using the same pattern through the whole book of Corinthians. There's been a conflict, so he talks about unity. There was a conflict over lawsuits, so he talked about lawsuits. There was a conflict over sexuality, how to handle sexual immorality in the church, so he talks about that. There's a conflict over food in the church, so he talks about that. There's a conflict over marriage in the church, so he talks about that. 
And he begins chapter 12 with, so now about spiritual gifts. Because there was a conflict in the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts. And Paul spent the last two chapters helping us understand spiritual gifts. In chapter 12, spiritual gifts are like uh, are given the example, the metaphor of a body. That there are lots of gifts, diversity in gifts, and interdependence on gifts. We all depend on each other. So the eye can't say to the hand, I'm better than you, or the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And in chapter 14, I mean in chapter 13, Paul says, now that you've been introduced to spiritual gifts, there's something else you've got to know. I want to show you the most, the more excellent way, he says. And in chapter 13, we have the love chapter. Love is that most excellent way. Love is what makes the spiritual gifts actually work in the church. Without love, the spiritual gifts are, as Paul says in chapter 13, clanging symbols. Just noise that accomplishes nothing. So we're to desire the spiritual gifts, even the greater gifts in chapter 12. We're to have this better way of using the spiritual gifts in chapter 13. And chapter 14 begins, follow that way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and how they work in the church. This week, focusing on prophecy. Next week, trying to answer some of those really important questions about um, the, the, the other gifts in the church, especially that gift of speaking in tongues that Paul mentions here. And then in, uh, in a few weeks, we'll be talking about uh, how to bring all the gifts together. So that's the plan for the next few weeks of, of being in chapter 14. Um, this is Paul's encouragement to a church that has been in conflict over spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries in the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, for their comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like any, every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will it be unless I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, like the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what the tune is, what tune is being played unless there's distinction in the notes? Again, if a trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words, how will anyone know what you are saying? You'll just be speaking you'll just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner. And the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Um, five times in this little passage, that phrase, build up the church is used. It's translated different ways. Um, it's the word in Greek, oikos domos. Well, sometimes it's a verb, sometimes it's a noun. Um, made from two Greek words, oikos, house, Domas, roof, it's the person who finishes the job. 
It's the person who puts the house on the roof. It's the building picture. In chapter 12, the organic picture of gifts making a body work. In chapter 14, the building picture, the construction picture of, of the spiritual gifts finishing the house God is building for, for each one of us. Um, Paul's word to a, Paul's letter to a church that was in conflict, I hope the Holy Spirit's word to a church in Anacortes that um, is unified over this. Father, thank you this morning for the opportunity to open up your word one more time. And I ask that as, uh, as we hear word spoken, that, uh, that your church will be edified. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little bit about how these two gifts that Paul mentions work together. Prophecy and the gift of tongues, as, as Paul says so often in chapter 14. Um, how do they work together? And it, it's interesting to me that these are the two gifts that, that pop up for Paul, that, that represent kind of the, the speaking side of the gifts and in the first century, the more ecstatic side of the gifts. Um, there are two gifts that have popped up before. In chapter 12, when Paul is using the body as the example, you are the body of Christ, this is verse 27, and each of you has a part in it. In the church, God has appointed apostles and prophets and teachers and workers of miracles and having gifts of healing and those help the others and those with the gifts of administration and those speaking in different tongues. These two gifts kind of bracket, bookend the list of gifts in chapter 12. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. Passionately pursue might be even a better translation there, those greater gifts. And as we've said, Paul's definition for which the greater gift is, is the one that not edifies me, but edifies the church. That's the one that edifies the other. And in this case, we're beginning to almost sound like love. Love does not do anything for its own, but love always has the best interest of the other at heart. This is an application of chapter 13. Um, how does love make the spiritual gifts actually work? Um, in chapter 13, um, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, there will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Paul pairs these two gifts together in the love chapter, chapter 13. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfection comes, all the imperfected imperfect will pass away. On Wednesday night, we did a kind of introductory uh, Bible study to this passage. And one of the things we discovered is that uh, there's an interesting difference between the spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and the fruit of the Spirit, love being the most important one, in chapter 13. There's a really interesting difference. Um, the gifts of the Spirit are not forever. They will pass away, Paul says. When the perfect comes, the imperfect is no longer needed. The fruit of the Spirit, with love, hope, and faith at the top, are forever. So we're, we're, we're working with two different um, kinds of, of uh, things in the church. The gifts of the Spirit, which are 
temporary um, a gift from God for the edification of the church, and the fruit of the Spirit, that reflection of what Jesus is doing in my life, that, um, that objective evidence that I'm part of his family, that the Holy Spirit is inside of me transforming me, is eternal. And we're going to keep that, keep that uh, distinction in mind as we continue. Um, so how do these two, how do, why are tongues and prophecy so brought together in the text? Um, number one, Paul goes back to unity. It seemed that in the, in the first century church, there was some conflict, confusion, whatever word you want to use, between the prophets who said, this is what God says. And the tongue speakers who said, I've, I've got this ecstatic gift from God that I want to express in the church, but I don't think everybody's going to be able to understand what I'm saying. And so Paul uses this example again and again about because it's so important to have unity in the church. Um, he starts the, the, his teaching about gifts this way, about spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant, chapter 12. You know that, you know that when you were pagans, Somehow or another, you were led astray. That the world doesn't want us to be unified, um, but he's got this, this new plan for us. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God, whether you're a prophet who's speaking or a tongue speaker who's speaking, can say, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, as different as the gift of prophecy is from an ecstatic gift like tongues, but one Lord, one Spirit. Um, and so somehow, our expression of these two very different gifts has got to reflect the unity of the church. That's the first thing Paul says. The second thing that's clear as we talk about tongues and, and prophecy, and by the way, I'm, we haven't defined them yet. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to really define prophecy this week and tongues next week. So just bear with me a little bit. Uh, on Wednesday night, John was very concerned. Uh, so, Linda, you're going to have to tell him that I didn't answer all his questions. Where's Linda? All right, there. <laughs> you're sitting in the wrong. You're supposed to be over there. Um, uh, you're going to have to tell John that I, that I didn't fully define him this week. So, if he's feeling better next week, maybe we'll, we'll, he still has got a chance to, uh, to, to get the definition here. Um, that, that these two gifts that are so different in their expression in the church are similar because they, they both need, they both are speaking from the same spirit. They both are in need of humility. Um, Romans chapter 12 Paul's letter to the Romans about the same topic, he says, by the grace given me, do not think, uh, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us who are, are one body with many members, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. If, it is, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's speaking, Paul is saying that uh, these gifts are never meant to exalt the person. They're always meant to be used in humility. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Um, and for both tongue speaking and prophecy, remember we haven't quite defined them yet, but when we um, but when we get to that point, they both are going to have the same goal. The goal for both is going to be edification. Now, you might wonder why we use the word edification or build up in English when the Greek had this wonderful picture, oikodamas, 
that that has you know getting the roof on the house and it's such a beautiful picture of, of maturity and and completing the job and the reason is because those of us in the west um got our bible not from the greek but from the latin right so we got our bible from the latin and in the latin translation of the new testament the word wasn't greek or katamas it was latin edificium the building and we use that same word in english edify or sometimes a building is called an edifice so that's why we use that word in english but it means the same thing it means to build up and, and get the job done doesn't mean to start putting the drywall on it means to actually get the roof on the building and uh and get it done that, that both these gifts have the same purpose and that is to edify the church um and uh, uh that, that word edify comes up again and again in this text the end of verse 12 since you are eager for the gifts of the spirit try to excel in those that put the roof on it that edify the church that build it up those are the gifts um, that need to be uh, that need to be sought that need to be prayed for that need to be developed as we uh, as we go through this uh, this series we'll talk about how those things how those things happen okay um, what about prophecy what are we actually talking about when Paul says there are prophets um, there's a gift of prophecy in the church now I, I will say that there is um, there is a significant <laughs> disagreement uh, I'll use that word in the 21st century church about what this means um, and for those who are really curious about how this in, in the larger church is being worked out on Wednesday night I want to uh, address that question um, usually it's it's called the uh, the conflict between the cessationists who believe spiritual gifts ended at the at the um, uh, end of the first century when the canon was closed when scripture was completed so we didn't need the spiritual gifts anymore um, and the continualists who believe the spiritual gifts continue today um, Wednesday night we're gonna we're gonna really dig into that for those kind of curious about where the reformed tradition has been on that uh, we would be called highly nuanced cessationists that that the that the gifts aren't going to be relevant for anymore that is we're not going to have anybody come along and say i've got this spiritual gift whether it's prophecy or tongues or anything else and uh and in in my expression of that gift god has given me a new word for the church that supersedes anything god has said before um that's not going to happen but the reformed tradition has always been open to some to some surprising ways in which god works in uh in the lives of people in his church um and this, this has been been throughout history. So um, Wednesday night, if you're curious about that and want to know a little bit more, um, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., and watch your email for whether that will be in person at our house and on Zoom or if I get stuck in Vancouver just on, uh, just on Zoom. What about prophecy? In one of his very first letters to the churches, 1 Thessalonians, Paul, at the end of his letter, as he's kind of giving his uh, his closing uh, shotgun blast of uh, of instruction to the church, says, "Do not put out the spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything. 
Prophecy is something that was expected to happen in the New Testament church. Not prophecy that the apostles did, which was actually to complete the canon, to tell us what God was saying. Um, the, the authority of the apostles had to speak God's word. But prophecy that happened every day in the life of the church as they spoke to each other the words of God. Um, as this text says, as they comforted and encouraged and strengthened the, the church. And, and this prophecy, what was this gift of prophecy was, you think it's kind of complex now, you've heard me talking about it, um, it was every bit as complex in the first century. Um, th there's this moment in the life of the church when Paul is traveling back to Jerusalem for what would end up being his final time, and he ends up in Caesarea uh, on, on the coast, and he stays at Philip's house. Philip the evangelist from early in the book of Acts. And he stays at Philip's house. And text says, and Philip had four unmarried daughters. I can relate, though now all my daughters are married. Um, and it says he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. And then the text picks right up and says, and after he'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And he prophesied about Paul being handed over to the Romans as a prisoner. And they actually begged him not to go. Because they knew to take seriously the word of a prophet. And, and in that text, I think prophecy is being used both in the way of a revelation and in the way of simply an encouragement from God, um, speaking God's word. So when a teacher or a pastor or a preacher stands up in the church in the 21st century and engages in this thing we call preaching or teaching, um, are, am I, am, is he or she or am I teaching, preaching, am I being a prophet? Not in the sense of Isaiah who can say, thus saith the Lord, But in the sense of a New Testament teacher who says, this is how God's word is going to be applied or should be applied right here. We are. Um, not revealing something new from God, but declaring what God says. And then it's the responsibility of the church to test. In fact, um, the churches most blessed in the New Testament are those which took what the prophet said in the church and tested it. How did they test it? By seeing if it's really what God said. By going back and testing it against the word of God. Um, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test everything the text said. And, and what is good, what is a, um, an expression of the gift of prophecy going to look like in the church? How do you know if it's being done well? Paul gives three words that describe prophecy done well in the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. He who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, which is actually the edification word one more time, to bring them to maturity for their strengthening, for their encouragement, which is the come alongside and speak word 
Parakalesis. In fact, that's the same name given to the Holy Spirit who encourages, the one who comes alongside and speaks to us. And, okay, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Very interesting word. Um, actually, a word that is used nowhere else in the New Testament. A word that means to uh, to speak something that, that is going to change the life, encourage the life of the one you're speaking to. Um, if the prophet is actually expressing his gift, and I, daughter's there, his or her gift, um, well, people are going to be strengthened, people are going to be encouraged, and people are going to be comforted. Now, um, where does the prophetic call to repentance come in there? Is that a strengthening thing? Uh, is that an encouragement thing? Certainly can be. Is that a comforting thing? Um, what we've said is this, and uh, by we I mean I'm, I'm kind of speaking as a church now, is that the most loving, comforting thing to do is to call God's people to repentance. Um, and that's why Paul focuses on that clarity question. Um, you know, if you're going to, if you got the trumpet, you have to think, sound a clear call. I, I was listening to a um, podcast with uh, Beckett Cook, who's become one of my favorite podcast guys um, to listen to. And uh, he, he had on, um, on his podcast a, um, a gentleman named Jam James Kearney, who has a church in the middle of the um, the the, uh, the downtown Seattle homosexual community. And he made the interesting comment that he started his ministry by not wanting to say too much about homosexuality. Um, and he realized about a year or so in that he wasn't being kind to the people who would come to his church. And he used the phrase, kindness is clarity when it comes to sin. That, that the, the comfort which the prophet brings is the comfort of being told this is God's will for us. Um, this is how we respond in obedience. Um, this is how we find the blessing of God in our lives. Um, strengthening, encouraging, comforting. Um, on the negative side, this gift of prophecy um, carries with it a huge warning. In, um, in Matthew 7, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, inwardly ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Many will say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Drive out demons even. Perform miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away. 
See, the fruit of the Spirit, that's objective evidence that God is doing a work in my life, your life. Um, and for all the argument that churches had over spiritual gifts over the last couple of hundred years, dividing charismatic and non-charismatic, I mean, just all this, for all that, the sad thing is, Jesus himself said that the gifts of the Spirit are simply no evidence of a changed life. Um, somebody can prophesy, cast out demons, even do miracles. And without that relationship with Jesus, he'll say, I never knew you. Um, the part I just... Um, that is a huge, huge warning for, um, for prophecy. And the last thing I want to say about this spiritual gift, um, in the next couple weeks, how they're going to, how they work together. The last thing I want to say about the spiritual gift is that uh, um, even though right now there is only one person speaking in, in this little gathering here, um, that's not the way the church is organized to work. And in maybe the most important passage on this subject, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul, who starts by saying, it was God who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He starts with that. To prepare God's people for works of service so the body, of, so the body may be built up. That's the edified word. Until we reach unity and faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, we become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God. The roof is on and the house is done. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by craftiness of men. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. Paul has said, okay, there are these gifts. But they're to prepare God's people to express their spiritual gifts for work of ministry so that the whole body, speaking the truth in love, will grow up into him who is the head, that's Christ. For him, the whole body, and now <clears throat> taking both the body image metaphor from chapter 12 and the building up metaphor from chapter 14, Paul mixes his metaphors in this beautiful way in Ephesians 4 and says this, from him, that is Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's that organic body thing from chapter 12, grows and builds itself up in love, that's the construction model from chapter uh, 14, um, as each part does its work. That, uh, that this is both a every person job in the church, and Paul says, twice in this little chap this little section so we don't forget that um, that this gift of this beautiful gift of being able to say what God's word is and encourage and strengthen and comfort God's people with his word um, only works if we do it in love In a couple of weeks, how it actually works out. Um, Father, thank you this morning for encouragement and
comfort from Paul. And uh, the, the, the work of your Holy Spirit right here. And Father, I, I ask that as, um, as this body of believers grows uh, organically, uh, is built together like a building, that we will see uh, your gifts expressed. And Father, I just help us to love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yes. Be thou my vision. Would you please stand with me?